0: guys welcome back to the relaxed running podcast Tyson Popplestone here hope you're all doing really well hope the training is going well hope that race plan schedule or that race schedule is starting to come into a cutting to come starting to come into order a little bit at the moment it's nice this time of the year because i feel like it's the first time in a long time in so many places around the world we can actually start to plan our races a little more specifically there's a few things starting to open back up and as a result I I thought I'd speak to you about planning your first marathon, your very first marathon. Or, you know, if you're relatively new to the game, just give you a couple of ideas, a little bit of food for thought as to how you might be able to plan to get the most out of yourself. Now, uh, just for clarity, there's a few athletes that I'm working with at the moment who are training for their first marathon or their first uh, marathon alone event. One guy in particular uh, he's uh, he's run a marathon as a part of a, a, an Ironman, but he's he's really keen to put all his focus into the marathon and try and qualify for the Boston uh, Marathon next year. So he needs to run around, sort of, you know, uh, sub three would be nice for his uh, for his age group. So uh, as a result, I've been spending a lot of time thinking about training plans and thinking about what actually makes a marathon training plan good. So if that's something that you're into, if that's something that you're looking for, this is going to be an episode which is designed specifically for you. I've got about five or six different tips. So um, only going to be a bit of half an hour chat. So let's jump straight into it. The, The first and perhaps one of the most important things you've got to consider is developing a realistic plan. Now, the idea of a marathon, especially if you're new to the sport, Is It can be quite daunting because if if you're brand new to the sport and you haven't really spent a whole heap of time Doing any extensive running well a marathon. It's got a little bit of that It's got a little bit of that conquering Everest feel about it. It just seems beyond a lot of people's reach. So one of the first things that I'll encourage the athletes that I'm working with to do is, is just to gauge what they think a realistic goal for themselves is, even slightly above realistic if they're uh, feeling a little bit adventurous. Now, the reason that we do that is, uh, first of all, it gives me as a coach a little bit of clarity on where it is that we start what it is that we include in the training program but for you as the athlete it gives you an opportunity to to really get focused on what is required in order to be able to get to the start line uh, not only fit and ready but confident that the training plan that you have in place is is right for you now uh, depending on which level of competition or depending on your experience in the world of distance running is going to depend what a realistic training plan looks like. So if you're brand new to it and the idea of, of you know, just trying to run 5K seems like a, a real challenge, completely fine, I would say let's aim in your situation to gradually move up the distances. On the Relax Running website, we've got a couple of training programs, and uh, from 5K all the way to the marathon. Now, if someone who's brand new to the sport comes to me and says, look, I'm struggling to run 2K, uh, but I've I've got a really big goal to run the marathon, I go, hey, good. I love the marathon as an end result. Maybe let's look at that for 12 or 18 months down the track. Let's first focus on getting you fit and ready to run a, a 5K, a 10K, a half marathon, and then A marathon. Because I think psychologically, that's so nice to have up your sleeve. Now, there's a lot of people who, for whatever reason, distance running, it it tends to attract the quite adventurous, the quite big goal setters, maybe obsessive compulsive. Uh, You've heard me talk about that a lot on the podcast before. And as a result, they say, look, I've never run before. I wanna run a marathon in a month and a half. I go, look, that's just a recipe for disaster (laughs) for me as your coach, but also for for you as an athlete. There's no quicker way to scare you off than, than just setting goals that are too big too quickly. So I like a gradual snowball effect. If you can just tick off something small, build your confidence, build your fitness, and then you gradually move your way up. Now, the flip side of that coin is uh, you might be someone who's been in the sport for a little while now, and uh, perhaps your running training's going really well, your fitness is good, uh, uh, maybe you're confident, maybe you're not. A realistic training plan or a realistic goal is, it might be the other end of that for you. Maybe you're saying, I want to run a four-hour marathon, and anyone who's been in the sport for a little while can go, come on, I can quite clearly see that our goal should be for for you to run a -a three-and-a-half or a sub-three-hour marathon marathon and and the training for those two groups of people are very different now the the training for the person who's at the at the upper end of the experience level or fitness level whatever you want to call it is it's going to be a little bit more intense it's going to be a little bit more demanding uh, and it's going to require a, a few more hours in the week to make sure that we're getting that combination of of not only miles in your legs but also the shorter faster sessions sessions just so we can keep up that that pace, because uh, it's nice. Still, going into a marathon, one thing that so many people forget is the importance of still being able to have a, a little bit of a turnover in your legs. Like we look at the greatest of all time, Ali Kipchoge, uh, at any time he goes out and runs two hours for a marathon, two hours, five for a marathon, he's going to be running around. You know, I, I can't imagine him running too much over. 3:35 for 1500 meters. Maybe I'm being generous, but a, a definitely 3:37, which for a marathon runner is incredible pace. I'll just quietly probably break 3:35 on this bloke. Uh, but you get the point. The idea of just maintaining that speed in your legs is is one that can't be overlooked. So if you haven't got someone to work with, obviously um, I, I'm doing some coaching. I've got a few spaces left at the relax running coaching squad. So if you'd like to go over to Relax Running, have a look at what I offer, see whether it might work for you. I'd be more than happy to, to work with you um, to, help, to help just develop your running training program wherever you are in that program. But if, if face-to-face is something that you'd like to do a little more, maybe there's someone in your area, someone in your country, or just an experienced runner that you can go to and say, hey, look, here's my goal. How realistic is it? Well, here's, here's my training schedule. How realistic is it that this is going to get me to like a, like a three hour marathon? Uh, and that leads us straight into the second point. In order to be able to develop a realistic training program, it's important that we do establish your goals. That's the second point. You need to know uh, what it is that you're trying to achieve. I don't know if you're like me. I find it so much easier, especially when I was competing at an elite level as a distance runner. If I didn't have some structured plan as to what it was I was trying to achieve for that season... I always found it a little bit less motivating to get out the door and to try and put in the work that's required to actually achieve the goals. Now, granted, I developed a fair bit of consistency and a fair bit of discipline, and I was around a, a fairly good group of athletes, so I was still getting out there consistently. But in terms of just that headspace of going, all right, like what is it that I'm actually aiming towards? If my goal was to to run, you know, eight ten for three kilometres, then maybe some of the shorter, faster. Uh, training sessions were going to have more of a priority to me. So going out and just doing 4 by 2 k once or twice a week, it it wouldn't have the the same kind of level of confidence attached to it. So if I say, all right, my goal is for 3k, I want to run 810. Well, that suggests I, I obviously need a certain level of miles in my legs, but I also need a certain level of speed. But then we've got to look at things like recovery and race preparation as well. So if you can set your ultimate goal, to use one of my athletes as the example that I just spoke about before, we said, okay, our, our big goal for the next 18 months is to see you running the Boston Marathon. Now, what does that actually require? All right, first of all, it requires that for your age group, you need to run around three hours, hopefully just under for the marathon. More than that, it means that we're gonna have to do a couple of lead up races or lead up training sessions over the half marathon distance, perhaps even shorter, just to get your body used to the pace that you need to run at. More than that, we'd also like to have a really good hit out over a half marathon, because if you can run an hour 20 for a half marathon, that's two hour 40 pace. That puts us in a pretty good place uh, mentally to be able to go, all right, we're on the right track for a, a three hour marathon. Uh, again, it also allows us to structure the training. It allows us to to plan those races, to plan the training Around those races, so I think as a scaffold to your training program, if you haven't sat down and just set any uh, any real goals for yourself, I would encourage you to do that. Consider exactly, all right, how long have I been running? What have I done in the past? What would I like to see myself do? And it doesn't always have to be a time which is faster than your previous times. That's one thing I love about Steve Monagetti. Obviously, he uh, he was at his peak of running in the late '80s, but still. You see him getting out there, training regularly. He's adjusted his goals uh, to the fact that he's a little bit older now. His body's not carrying him around the track as quick as it once was. But the joy that he gets from the sport, the love that he has for the sport doesn't change. So, hey, it doesn't always have to be a constant progression in terms of times. It might just be a constant progression in terms of event selection or in terms of what it is that you as an individual would like to get out of that, uh, that particular event. Uh, The third thing, now this one's more relevant to... To new runs because it's something that you you begin to develop the longer that you've been in the sport, uh, and that is pace management. Now, uh, I used to have a chart which was attached to my wall, and it would say, okay, as an Australian, we went by we go by kilometres. It would say, okay, if you run three minutes for one kilometre, that converts to it's six minutes for two, it's fifteen minutes for five k, it's thirty minutes for ten k. Then it'd go, okay, but what is what's three o five? And it worked all the way down to like six and a half minutes per k. So. If your goal for the marathon, now I should have done some research before I did this because I don't know the conversions, but if your goal for the marathon is to run, say, three and a half hours or four hours, don't just go out and guess what pace that is. Set some times in your week. Uh, With me, we often do a, a Saturday tempo session, which in the tempo session, we might go out and run at around our half Marathon pace. Not only is this good for marathon training, because it allows our body to get used to a slightly faster pace, also builds that aerobic capacity. It also trains our ability to get used to running at the pace that we need to be running at in order to see our goal be achieved. So, uh, if you have no idea uh, about what pace you're running, I would encourage you to jump over to Relax Running. We've got a. Uh, if you go to the training programs page, there's a there's a, what do you call it? It's like an overview of the training programs. It doesn't matter if you choose the five or a ten, the half marathon, marathon. Uh, inside that training program overview is an actual pace conversion chart that I put together for you. So it'll just help you in uh, all elements of your training. So uh, as a bit of a gauge, if you're sort of just putting the training together by yourself... What I would recommend is in your uh, 1K reps, say if you do that on a Tuesday like what we do, in your 1K reps, you might say, all right, this is gonna be around... My 10K goal pace, and you can say, okay, well, my goal pace for 10K is 45 minutes. That means for each kilometer, I have to run around four and a half minutes. But if you need any more clarification, if you need any more assistance, feel free just to shoot me an email. If you click the contact uh, contact li- uh, what's it called the contact tab on the relaxed running page, that comes straight through to my inbox, and I um, I check that most weekdays, so I'll get back to you and, and be able to offer you a little bit of guidance. Uh, yeah, I can't overestimate the importance of this, though. It sounds like such a minor detail, but the idea of just developing that confidence. It, it, for me, when I ran my first marathon, I, it allowed me to get to the start line, and it was one less thing to think about. I would get there, I know I had practiced the pace I needed to run, I know I would prepared for the pace I needed to run, and then if uh, I, I got a little bit too carried away or a little bit too caught up, just enjoying the scenery and I slowed down too much, I could adjust the pace that I was running now. If you've got that goal time in mind, and you just know roughly, okay, every K or every five or every ten K, this is the pace I need to hit. Man, that uh, like anyone who's run a marathon will know exactly what I mean. Especially if you've uh, run a marathon with the intention of running it quite fast, because it just eliminates any of that stress of oh my gosh, I hope I'm hitting the right pace. Because hey, you know what pace it is that you have to be uh, that you have to be running. All right. Uh, the third, oh sorry, the fourth thing that uh, that I think is really important, one that i I work closely with with my athletes, is to keep a detailed training log. Now, the athletes that I work with are using training peaks. I just think it's a it's a fantastic training tool. It allows it just allows me as the coach to be able to get a bit more of an insight into the training routine that the athletes that I'm working with are doing. So for example, if an athlete goes out and does a a relatively quick Wednesday run, uh, we can say, okay, first of all, that Wednesday run, it's supposed to be at a heart rate of about 130 beats per minute. Why did we see that it hit 150? and it also allows that open communication with the, uh, the athlete and the coach to be able to leave notes, to be able to give feedback, to be able to chat about the sessions, and also just to be able to adjust the sessions as they go. Because uh, anyone who's been in the distance running scene for a while now will know that it's not all just about making sure that you tick off that training program, no matter what's going on in life. Sometimes sometimes family stuff comes up. Another athlete that I'm working with, he's uh, just brought a second uh, a second kid into the family. He's also uh, working, or he's had some really random shift hours that he's been trying to navigate his way through. So we don't just say, all right, no matter what, we get through these training sessions. We say, okay, what does life look like at the moment? How am I coping with this training? What Have I seen too many red days lined up uh, one after another? That's another feature. As a visual person on Training Peaks, one of the things that I like is, It gives you a color code based on how you felt through that session. So if you give yourself an eight out of 10, that session is green. And that's in terms of how you feel. If you give give yourself less than a sort of five out of 10, you'll see a red session. So the goal is just to be able to log on and go, okay, well, such and such has had two weeks of fairly red Uh, training right now. What's going on in their life? Is the training too much? Are they going too hard? It just gives you a a little bit of meat to work with. So you're not just guessing your way through the training routine. I'm a really big fan and and any of you guys who have been listening to the podcast for a while now will know that I bang on about how important it is just to be able to make sure the easy days are easy so the hard days can be relatively hard. The idea there is uh, I'm a huge believer in the power of consistency. If you can just string together week upon week upon month upon year of training running it just continually seems to reward those who stick around so uh, and and the first group of people that you're going to see who don't stick around are those who that they'll, they'll go out with the intention of having a really good hard session and they'll smash themselves and they'll think oh my gosh i am so tired and maybe they've got the discipline to get out the door the next day and have a really good hard crack at the training session but maybe the quality of that next training session starts to diminish. So we're not about just consistency of training, we're about consistency of quality of effort. So I always, I get a little bit annoyed at the athletes that I work with and they've started to learn <laughs> that we can't do it too much because otherwise it just takes away from the training. If I see too many red days uh, line up after one another based on the fact that they're just pushing it too hard, we need to know when to go hard, we need to go when to go easy, And just to be able to reflect on the periods throughout our career, throughout our running experiences of, say, if you lead up to a 10K race, you run a PB, you felt fantastic. How nice is it to be able to look back at the month of training that you did leading up to that? question, hey, what did life look like? How did my training look? Was I going hard when I should have been? Was I going easy when I should have been? Was I getting enough recovery in when I should have been? Now, you can go you can go too deep and too OCD with this, but on a surface level, I think it's a beautiful tool to have just to be able to monitor the athletes that you're working with, but more than that, as an athlete, to be able to monitor yourself and your own performance. So if you haven't got a, a, a training journal, uh, as I said, I recommend Training Peaks, but man, for the last 20 years i uh, i just kept a physical uh, training journal i just wrote down my training i've still got a a massive big folder for about eight years of training like this in the chest in our lounge room that i, I get sentimental and look through every now and then especially when i come back from like a i do a 3k time trial from time to time it's just slightly hilly but my goal at the moment is just to be able to try and maintain three and a half minute k's for uh for three k's and compared to the pace that I used to run, that was like a tempo run. So I come back and just look at my training journal just to remind myself of what I was capable of. So hey, it, it serves a whole heap of purposes. So if you haven't considered that, make sure you consider keeping a training journal of some sort. Uh, the next one that you you should be considering, and I'm sure you have even accidentally, is the gear that you're running in. I, I've, look, I'm fairly flexible with the clothes that I run in. My general rule for a shirt is I hate running in cotton. I don't know how they did that in the 80s. Because you know when it gets wet or when you get sweaty, it just gets heavy and uncomfortable. I always feel like my arm swings limited. I feel like my upper body feels more tight because that tight fabric starts to squeeze in on my chest. But um, from the from the singlet that you wear to the tights that you wear to the shorts to the socks to the shoes spend a little bit of time figuring out what actually feels good for you now uh, this like anything else don't stress you don't have to have it sorted out uh, by the end of the week and you don't even have to nail it to be honest you don't have it's going to be a constantly adjusting process especially as companies start to bring out new products and new lines of shoes and uh, new styles of shoes there's you've got to be open to the idea that it's not always just going to be a one size fits all for your running with what you wear forever uh, you need to be able to adjust and adapt but if you haven't spent any time uh, I'd encourage you just to go down if you can go to a podiatrist that would be best go down get your feet checked out find out a little bit about the way that your feet land when you run. This will just give you an opportunity to have a conversation with a podiatrist about what shoes they recommend for your particular foot strike. We don't just wanna go down there and just go, hey, those shoes are pretty, 250 bucks, they must be the best. (laughs) Though I fell into that trap a little bit when I was younger. Uh, The most expensive shoe definitely doesn't equal the best shoe, especially with all the different designs. So, um, if you if you haven't yet, encourage you to go down, speak to a podiatrist. I think Athletes' Foot do a very entry level, uh, a very entry level overview of the style of shoes. I think South Australia—I don't even know if it still exists—but Joggers World used to do a good one uh, when I used to work there back in two thousand and six. So, if you're in South Australia, go down to Joggers World and. Uh, tell them Tyson Popplestone sent you. I tell you, I wasn't the best employee, so I need all the recommendations and, and all the support I can get from you guys when you go back to joggers world. So um, that'd be a good recommendation. Yeah, but uh, just to be able to have the confidence in the footwear, uh, more than that, if you're on the more serious side of things, perhaps the shoe that you're training is going to be a lot heavier, hopefully, than the shoes that you're racing. So if you, are, if you want to have a particular racing shoe, I would encourage you guys just to just to fiddle around with that in training. You never want to get to the race uh, and think, "All right, can't wait to try this new product today, this new shoe," because that's when blisters and, and soreness and, and stuff starts to kick in. So the goal here: get comfortable and get confident with the gear that you're wearing during training. So when it comes to race day, you can go, "Hey, baby, we are ready to roll." You know what I mean? Uh, and get out there, get your gear on, and uh, and get going. All right, I've got three more tips for you before we uh, before we wrap this up. The la- uh, sorry, the third last one is to research the race that you want to run. Now, obviously this goes without saying. First of all, clarify the distance that you want to run. Uh, If you're here in Victoria, maybe it's the Melbourne Marathon in, in October. You want to have a crack at the Melbourne Marathon? Awesome. Find out a little bit about the course. Is it hilly? Is it windy? Is it going to be hot at the time that you're there? Is it going to be cold at the time that you're there? If you're in Melbourne, maybe it's a little bit hard to know exactly what weather you're going to get on that particular day. But you know what I mean? Having a little bit of an understanding about the nature of the course. If you're in New York, maybe it's going to be a bit up and down and choppy and windy. It's going to be cold. It gives you some clarity on, okay, uh, what, what maybe do I need to include in my training? Is it a hilly course? Maybe developing a, a, a bit of a weekly hill routine could be helpful psychologically so that when I get out there and I'm whacked with a hill at 27 k's um, or 15 miles, it's uh, it's not such a shock to the system. You've done it. You've practiced. You've trained. You've adjusted. It's uh, It's always nice. You can never underestimate or never overestimate. What is it? Never, I'm not sure, but you've got you can't underestimate. There it is that the importance of just developing the the skill set that you need for a particular race course. So it's fun as well. Maybe you can include this in a holiday. Maybe you can go. All right, I'm going to go up to Queensland and run their marathon. Take the family up. Escape from the family. Maybe depends on how things are going in your household. And uh, and just enjoy enjoy that process. Be able to enjoy uh, you know some of the surroundings enjoy what is involved in whichever city that you're in outside of that race. It just, it's just, it makes the whole plan a little bit more enjoyable, especially for you planners. You guys froth this stuff. This is, my wife gets more excited about planning races, but I'm chucking ideas out there for you as an individual. I know not all of you are Tyson Popplestone. So uh, hey, different horses for different quarters, courses. So that's one for you to consider. Uh, second last one is your taper all right, you've done the hard work, you've worked you know, you've know, your butt off for the last few months for the particular race that you're aiming to run. Uh, the race is two weeks away now. So what does training look like? This is gonna be different depending on uh, who you are as an athlete. I know for me, I like just to back off training about a week to, usually about a week to 10 days out from that race. So if my long run was usually an hour 45, maybe seven days before the race or six days before the race, I'll take that run down to an hour fifteen. Keep it quite slow. Then usually on a, 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 a Monday I might do an hour run. I'll take that down to like a forty-minute run. Tuesday I'd usually do eight by a, a k. I might take that down to four by a k with a slightly bigger rest. Wednesday I'll go for a run with some strides. Thursday maybe a, 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 a same as Wednesday, even lighter. Wednesday I still like to turn the sorry the day before I still like to turn the legs over for 5 or 10 minutes with a, a couple of 80% strides just to feel if there's a little bit of pop, pardon the pun, a little bit of pop in uh, in my legs. I, I, I like to go to bed the night before a race going, oh gee, that felt good. I can't wait to get out there tomorrow. So spend a little bit of time either chatting with people that you trust or 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 just changing your own training routine a little bit to find out what feels good for you as an individual as i said it's never a one-size-fits-all and it might not be the same for you this year as what it'll be next year but until you actually practice adjusting and changing the way that you taper for a race you're not going to get a real good gauge of what it is that actually works so so don't feel the pressure to need to have all the answers like anything else, running is a sport where for as long as you do it, you're going to keep learning. And uh, as your body changes and as you adjust to the training routine that you're on, uh, your, your, your tapers, your training, the, the intensity of certain sessions is going to change. So hey, be open to the fact that this distance running seems, uh, you know, it, it, it requires some flexibility. I know we're not usually cut out for it. I've said it, this will be the third time. We're usually an OCD group of people. We've got to learn just to let go of the reins a little bit. And uh and just figure it out as we go. So have a play with your taper so that when it comes to uh, when it comes to the main race that you've been planning for, you can go into it confidently knowing that you've practiced the taper before and knowing this is at least feeling as though it's the best way for you to go into the race. Uh, lucky last, um, uh, what have I written here? I'm struggling to read my handwriting. Uh, oh yes, so pre-race tips. So your pre-race tips is essentially before you get to the race, Uh, usually these marathons start at a disgusting time each morning, maybe seven, maybe eight. I remember my marathon, I think it started at at eight, but I was there by 5.30. I was there by 5.30. So give yourself way more time than you think you need. If it takes you 20 minutes to get to the start of the course, give yourself 45 minutes. Double it and then add a bit, I always say. Make sure your bag's packed. Even set yourself, if you can set yourself a little bit of a... uh, a list as to what you need. So in the morning, you can get up, you're half drowsy, you're halfway through your coffee, you go, okay, have I packed my shoes? Yes. Have I packed my my socks? Yes. Have I packed my shorts? Yes. Uh, Know exactly what you need from gels to clothing uh, to liquids to maybe you've got someone following you around on a bike. Uh, Just having that confidence or having that list, it, it just takes away that extra stress so that your mind can just be set on the race. Even other little things like knowing, all right, is there a bus that takes your clothes from the start line to the finish line? Or does the start line and the finish line, is it the same place? Or have you got someone that you can take your stuff with you? So. Just clarifying all of that stuff. There's nothing worse than standing on the start line of a race and going. First of all, I wish I had known where the toilets are because I've got 42 marathons. I've got 42 k's in my leg, and I'm not sure if I'm going to make it through because we had curry for dinner last night. Don't have curry for dinner the night before a marathon. That's just that's just playing with fire. Um, but more than that, just uh, just being able to have I-, I love that feeling of going to a race and going. All right, I'm here to run. I'm good to go. Everything else is sorted, or at least to the best of my ability, it's sorted. Uh, So so spend a little bit of time clarifying those details. Now, the truth is, there's a million different things that you can focus on for your first marathon. These are just, you know, six or seven just to get the uh, to get the ball rolling. As I've said before, you might have heard me say if you don't yet have a coach, if you don't yet know anyone who can help you through your running. I'm coaching. We've got a few spaces left at Relax Running. Uh, You can do a monthly basis. You can do an annual basis. It's up to you. We can work together regardless of where you are, your fitness level. I don't care about that kind of stuff. If you need some guidance, more than happy to help. Go over to Relax Running. Click the coaching tab. Um, And uh, guys, enjoy the process. It's a fun process. If you've got a couple of questions, any other clarifications, anything I missed, let me know. Uh, If you're new, welcome. Hey, all these podcasts, they're relevant. Do you know what I mean? Whether it's an interview or whether it's me speaking about a certain tip, don't feel like these are limited by time. Uh, Because I know with me, sometimes I'll just look through like two or three podcasts and go, oh, okay, well, there's nothing there that I'm really interested in. Uh, so I'll just wait for something. Scroll through, they're timeless. The tips that you learn here are going to be able to help you you know, a couple of years ago, as much as they'll be able to help you a year into the future. So gee, this is episode 126. So we're certainly getting a good catalog. Uh, guys, hey, that's enough from me for this week. Happy training. As I said, reach out, relaxrunning.com coaching, or hit that coaching tab with any questions, concerns, Uh, also over at, uh, at Instagram. So I'm on there a couple of times a week. So if you shoot me a message there, I should see it. All right, hey, big love to you. Happy training. We'll see you all next week.